I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. What's up, Cowboy Nation? It's your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. <laughs> What's up, guys? And on today's episode, it's uh, part one of the 2021 uh, mock draft. Seth, why don't you explain the mock draft tool that we use to make this happen? Yeah, we uh, ended up using Pro Football Network. Um, uh, that one allowed us to do trades and and had all the uh, compensatory picks involved <clears throat> involved as well. Excuse me, guys, I got some kind of cold going on, so if I sound a little rough, it's just I got a little cold going on. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, tonight we're going to do uh, day one and day two, and then uh, – of course, day three would be our second half of the show. So, um, Ava, I'm going to let you go ahead and start it off. And we were sitting at the number 10 spot with our first pick, but... So, after the episode two weeks ago, the linebackers episode, uh, we decided to go ahead and do the mock draft. We wanted to have plenty of time to break down the prospects, to give you our thoughts and analysis on the players. So we're sitting down here afterwards, and uh, we were—I'm sorry—we were recording at my house. So we were here after the show and, and doing the episode, and we're on the clock at ten. Sertan's still there. Board setting up very pretty for us, and we get a couple trade offers. I can't remember the other two. There's nothing really worth looking at. Just a couple quick declines, and then the third one, um, the Los Angeles Chargers came calling, and they offered thirteen and forty-seven for number 10 and 75 overall. And we thought this one out pretty hard because Sertan was on our was on the board, and that's um, for sure who Seth and I have been pounding the table to take at 10. And as y'all know, we, we have two-thirds this year, and 75th was our first of the two that they came for. So we decided if we take 13 and 47, that gives us three picks in, in, inside the top 50. And – as the draft was as the draft was going, we were thinking, you know, man, we could take those two seconds and and maybe push up and in, into the uh, late first or you know real early second, like thirty three, if we find someone we just loved. So to us, this offer was one that that we've really talked about taking. It's one we've talked about in the show as well. Yeah, we it, talked about taking Sartan pretty much without question here, but. 
it was a good offer. So, and, well, and I think this is as far as we've been willing to drop. We, you and I, have talked on the show, and we've said, you know, dream scenario is uh, if Kyle Pitts is on the board at ten, maybe the Chargers come uh, calling to try to maybe get ahead of Philly uh, to get Kyle Pitts and pair him up with Justin Herbert. And I, I don't remember who they took with the pick. Uh, once we accepted the offer, we just kind of kept rolling with it. So um, now we're on the clock at 13, and that's where we stand now. Sertan went at 12 to Philly. Yeah, that's So uh, a little disappointed at that, but – Philly still got us. We've taken a player here that, that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Um, not as much as fairly uh, for, for him. The injuries are, are really starting to concern me. The, the fact that he was injured and couldn't work out his pro day, even though doctors have cleared him. Uh, we talked When we've talked about him, we've said he's ended every season on IR. Yeah. And the, the best – tool you can have is availability if you can't be on the field it doesn't matter how good you are yeah top top 15 pick you don't want to you don't want to risk it it's just it's easily somebody that could be out of the league in four years for injuries alone and that's not something that you want out of your top 15 pick and i still think he has a ton of talent and i hope that that he stays healthy um for some reason if we were to look to move back a little further that's a player I'd like in the late teens, 20s. Uh, cause I agree. Sertan won't be there, and then neither will the player that we took. So I'm, I'm going to jump right into that. The player we took was J.C. Horn, junior corner from South Carolina. If if you hear the last name Horn, it's because his father was Joe Horn, uh, multiple-time Pro Bowl wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, had one of the better end zone celebrations that I've ever seen where he lifted up the uh, the padding up under the uh, the, field the upright yeah, and the upright. Uh, pulls out a cell phone. So, I mean, that was uh, pretty cool. But I, I like the thought of taking players that have some kind of pedigree. I, his father was an outstanding player. Yeah. Had a very, very good career in the NFL. So, the thought of having that pedigree – you know that that's already a, a check for me in, in the box already before I even before I even started looking at his film. The fact that his his father was a very prolific player in the NFL. I, I know that there's been a lot of hits and a lot of failures with that, but that pedigree. You know that's one of the reasons why we we really liked Sertan. I mean, obviously the game film is really why you love Sertan, but yeah. you know his father. Multi-time Pro Bowl corner for Kansas City and and the Dolphins. You know, the, obviously the two players that that we've talked about taking in the first round. I mean, they they yeah. both have that pedigree. Yeah. Um, Horns measurables are six foot one. I've got him listed at two hundred and five pounds. He started as a true freshman, and for me, that's big. Uh, to go to a school like South Carolina, and and they're they're a good college. I mean, they're they're, you know, they're not the strongest team in their conference by far, playing in the SEC, but they are a very they're a competitive college. So well, to, so to be starting as a true freshman, that's big. Well, you know, playing in the SEC, you're going to play a lot of players that are going to end up in the NFL. So 
that in itself is is very good, you know. So, and that freshman year, his stats were he had forty five tackles, four tackles for loss, two sacks, and eight uh, pass breakups. He was named to the AC to the SEC All Freshman Team. Um, well, let me go down his stats, and then we'll just kind of we'll get into the the player. He was also South Carolina voted him as their most productive defensive player. That was an internal um, vote by the team in 2019. He started 12 games, 40 tackles, two for loss, one sack, nine pass breakups, and two forced fumbles. In 2020, he started seven games before they fired the head coach. So they went seven games and fired the head coach. And the, what I saw, that firing led him to go and opt out for the rest of the year and, and to prepare for the draft. In those seven games, he only had 16 tackles, one for loss. He had two interceptions and six pass breakups, and he was named second team All-ACC. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty excited. After I got into the film, because like you said before, you know, we were more big into the Sertan and Fairly, and I kind of pushed Horn to the side a little bit. And since we decided to take him, I started watching a lot of film, and you know, I seen a lot of great things that I liked on there. And I got a list of my pros and cons here that I wanted to go over. So uh, uh, let's start with the pros of his game. Um, you know, he's got great size, uh, good speed, very athletic, and very aggressive. Um, I do like the aggressiveness. Uh, a part of his aggressiveness is a con as well because he is a bit grabby. Uh, but I'll get into that here in a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> like I said, he's very physical. Uh, he's great in pe uh, press coverage. Uh, which, you know, Dan Quinn, he will play a lot of press coverage uh, and a lot of man-to-man -man coverage. He's really good at man coverage as well. Uh, one of my biggest things about him, unlike Sertan, and, and it's not a knock against Sertan because Sertan, the, the talent on that team, period, is just outrageous. But Horn played all over the field. I mean, he he shadowed the best player. That's what he did. Uh, it didn't matter if they was in the slot. It didn't matter if they was outside. I don't care if they was behind the quarterback. He was on them. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that I was happy about. And Diggs is the same way. So that would be, like, perfect. Like, you know, a perfect match matchup there. Uh, <clears throat> great at locating the ball in the air. Uh, he's really, really good about uh, – moving his head on a swivel when searching for the ball in the air. Uh, he's uh, really fluid about <clears throat> turning his hips and being able to locate the ball. Uh, <clears throat> great at pushing wide receivers to the sideline. I've seen this a lot. He's, um, you know, everybody knows the corner's uh, best friend is the, is the sideline. <clears throat> and the ability to be able to, force the wide receivers to the sideline. That's great because obviously that gives them less room to maneuver and work. Um, <clears throat> like I said before, he's very good in man coverage. Uh, uh, he's a very good tackler, a willing tackler. He doesn't avoid the contact. You know, he's always willing 
to stand his ground and make the tackle. Uh, plays with confidence. Uh, and that's something that you don't see in a whole lot of guys. I mean, he plays with extreme high confidence. And <clears throat> he just knows that he's the man on the field. And that's that's what you want. Um, very fluid with the hips. Able to change direction with ease. Uh, very good at knocking the ball out of wide receiver's hands. Um, I've seen this over and over again. Um uh, going against Smith from Alabama and uh, Terrence Marshall uh, and several other receivers. I mean, uh, if he didn't quite get to the ball and it got to their hands, he was very good about swiping it out of their hands. I've seen that multiple times over and over again. Um, yeah, and he also has great worth ethic too. So I, I really like um, I really like that. But I wanted to throw one more stat out there. Um, he allowed only eight of twenty-four targets in twenty twenty for one hundred and sixteen yards in seven in seven games. So, um, uh, I would say that's a pretty good uh stat line right there. But let me jump into his his cons real quick. And you know, I've said it before about his aggressiveness, how I like it. But <clears throat> he's very grabby. He can be over aggressive and grab too much, which obviously throws a lot of laundry, especially in the NFL. Um, <clears throat> he will be really good. I think uh, guys like uh, DK Metcalf and, you know, the bigger wide receivers. And that's not – I'm not saying that he's going to guard DK Metcalf like 100%, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> but what I mean by that is the bigger receivers. Um, I think he's going to be very successful against the bigger receivers. I think the, one of his cons is he's going to struggle with the Tyreek Hill type players. The Tyler Lockett. The Tyler Lockett. The, well, I'm just, I was just using Tyreek Hill as an example. Tyler Lockett, uh, Calvin Ridley, any of the smaller receivers that run those crisp, quick routes. Um, I, that's where he tends to grab. Is if if he loses that first step, I think that's when he tends to grab a lot. Uh, pretty decent. He's decent in zone, but he doesn't really look natural in the in it. Um, he uh, <clears throat> it can be taught. It's it's a con that can be taught. Um, I, he doesn't really look natural at all, really. Uh, when it comes to zone, he's more of a kind of wait for the receiver to come to him instead of follow his own the way he's supposed to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, I like the player overall. Uh, I think that all the cons that I have written down, which was basically two, um, I think they all can be taught and I think they all can be fixed. And I really like what he brings to the table, and I would be 100% on board with this pick if the Cowboys were at to trade back and do it. I don't, I don't I don't think I would take him at 10 if we had the opportunity to trade back a few spots and add a pick. Then, yeah. He's like my – I told you he's like my 1B. Okay. Now, so. that, that, well, I was about to ask that question. So, if we're on the clock at 10 and they're both there, it's still Sertan for you, correct? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I agree. It, it's still Sertan for me. Um, 
I'm gonna tell you what you you went on a nice tangent on Horn. Um, you took you took a lot of of what I saw, but this is a player that you and I have talked about quite a bit in the two weeks as we've been breaking down um, coverage. I think he was a little better in zone than what you were saying. I think where he struggles is off-man coverage. When you're giving the guy six – it's still man, but you're giving the guy six or seven yards. He wants to be – you know, you you talk about that. He's got that, like, dog mentality in him. Like, he wants to be in the fight. Like, he wants to be up in your face – you know, you talked about a lot of swagger. I wouldn't be surprised if if he didn't, you know, jaw a little bit at the line of scrimmage. He came out, man, like a week or two ago and said, I would shut my father down. Like, I'm going to be the best horn in the family. I so, hope he would at his age right now. <laughs> well, but he said in his prime he would shut his father down. So, I, I man, he's got that swagger and that bravado. That – it, to me, seems like someone he wants to be in your face, like he he wants to be on you, like you know flies what you're flies on is, it. What you're saying is he's going to be a Jalen Ramsey type. So I'm t- hey, you, I mean, hey, now I, I, wait a minute. You and I talked when that year at the draft. Yeah, we were actually at Richard's house and I, Jerry, I was watching the draft. So we're on the clock and we knew it was going to be Ramsey or Elliott because it was basically just. Out there, the Cowboys are going to take Ramsey or Elliott. You wanted Zeke. I wanted Ramsey. Of course, you got what you wanted, and we took Zeke. And and now neither of them have been bad picks. I just, you know, I, I see Jalen Ramsey, and I see what he does on the field, and I see some of that in Horn. You know, man, he's got that dog in him. He wants, he wants to be in the fight. So the weakest part of his game, I think, is really off-man coverage. You know, I don't think he wants to give six or seven yards. I think he wants that mono mono competition where you start both from the same starting point and then make a play. I saw some missed tackles on film. I guess I'm going to do my negatives, and, and then I'll follow up. I'll, I'll add in the negatives that, that I saw and kind of get your opinion on him. I saw some missed tackles. Um a couple times where his angles, the angles he took, weren't exactly the best. I don't think he's a bad tackler. I will agree with you that I think he's a very willing tackler, and I think that he is a good tackler. And I think a lot of that's just technique that can be taught. You can you can over-trust your athleticism. You can over-trust your instincts, and that can lead to some you know improper angles and then just some bad tackling technique. But but like you said, all that stuff can be taught. But you talked about the fluid hips. I think he can flip those hips on a dime, and that's huge. When In today's NFL, with the way the game's set up, a lot of teams do that, you know, five-step drop. You know, they're taking those deep drops, and they want their wide receivers running post-corners, and post and option routes. So today's corners have got to be able to flip on a dime and he that's that is a massive strength of his game. Yeah. Uh you you spoke on this. I, I'm gonna uh add on to it. You talked about his ability to play all over the field. He was a slot corner as a true freshman. Like that that's where he lined up was in a slot because yeah. 
he wasn't quote unquote the man as a true freshman. He but obviously starting ten games at a, a um, college like South Carolina that says something. But you know, obviously he wasn't the number one guy, so he played in the slot and, and then moved outside. And of course, like you said, he he traveled uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, almost exclusively. You don't see it, that it, enough. You don't see it enough nowadays uh, where one player travels. Yeah. Especially for, at the college level. College at the college level, level for sure. Uh, but I like the fact that he, he started in the slot and then played outside and, and succeeded at both. Um, I, I talked about the stats. You know, he's got some sacks. You know, so he's – I saw a player that – was a very sneaky blitzer. Like, he, he had good instincts for it, whether the play was called or not, and had the ability to disguise it. And then when the ball was snapped, man, just jump on the uh, quarterback and get there quick and make some plays in the backfield. Also, um, you know, the ball skills weren't incredible from an interception standpoint. Yeah, he didn't have many. Yeah, yeah. I understand the, that. Yeah. The, the ability to take the ball away, his interceptions were in the one game, the Auburn game. Yeah, I know. Uh, but but like you said, I, I don't think he has bad ball skills. I, I just think he needs some technique. He needs to work a little bit on actually coming down with the interception. Because like you said, I mean, he knocked the ball. I mean, like you said, Devontae Smith, uh, Terrace Marshall, um, he lined up against Judy quite a bit. Now, Judy uh, made some plays on him, but but like you said, Judy's a more shifty wide receiver, um, and Devontae Smith was younger for sure when yeah. he was going up against yeah. him, so he was uh, still gaining experience. Uh, so I agree with you that I think that he might struggle with, with the guys that are a little bit more shifty. Um, but with his ability to play inside, I, I talked about on last week's episode that – just got dropped a couple of days ago. That that's my fault, and and I do need um, to apologize uh, to to all of you out there. That's one hundred percent on me. I, I do the uploading a- after this episode. Uh, I actually had to go pick my daughter up. She was having um, a, a play date with uh, a friend from school, and um, so pretty much I, we hit the off button. I had to go pick her up, and then well, I'll take some blame because usually I remind you. If if I don't see it within a day or so, then I'll say something. And I ain't say nothing either. So, so it is what I just, it is. I, you know, I want to apologize uh, about the late upload, but but the good thing is, is you get, you know, a lot of back to back content uh, this week. You, you you know, you get some fresh content right after listening to last week's episode. Um, but but I talked about in that episode, talking about Reggie Robinson using his ability to play outside. And then having a player playing the slot, you know, one of our starting corners, man, you can easily move J.C. Horn inside, keep Reggie Robinson outside, and keep Trayvon Diggs outside, or or move Diggs inside and have Horn outside. He would allow for that versatility. Now, so would Sertan, but but you know, we're talking about Horn here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think Sertan's the pick. But if we can trade back and get get not just a little something on top, I mean, we we jumped from seventy five to forty seven. I mean, we went up twenty eight picks. We went up, you know, we not well, we jumped around, but but even in draft picks alone, we almost jumped a full round in yeah. picks. So, you know, to fall back three spots and, and to gain what we gained, 
if this is the quote unquote consolation prize, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that too. So. Um, you know, I wanted to comment on on the alpha wide receiver thing. I, I think that you're 100 percent right. I think that he shows the ability to go up against those bigger body receivers, and in today's game, you know that's that's a big part. If you look at kind of the the top receivers in the game, you're you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, uh, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown, Seth. You know, throw some names out. Uh, T Higgins yeah. is is a, is an oncoming receiver. That that's kind of a big guy. I mean, there's several. I think Calvin Ridley projects. You know, he's extremely shifty, but he's still a big guy. I mean, he's six two. Well, he's not as big as some of the guys you just mentioned. Though. No, for so. sure, because he plays at like one ninety five or, or two hundred pounds. He's that he's that tweener. Like he's he's like a, a Tyler Lockett, but in a he's got a bigger body for sure. Yeah, he's a, a king size uh, Tyler Lockett. I guess you say. A little bit bigger than Tyler Lockett, but he's he's got the same uh, style of play. You know, really good route running. You know, real shifty. Uh, so yeah, I mean, to me, he's like a tweener. So, well, and I also think with Horn, if you have Horn, you have Diggs. They, they both have similar profiles. You've you've mentioned quite a bit in this defense. We're we're probably not marching out a corner other than uh, Lewis. Under six one, six foot two, Horn six one, two hundred and five pounds. I mean, he he is a perfect fit for for this scheme. I think. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, the, the, I think a hundred percent fits the scheme perfectly. So I mean, you know, I, I think I think you know that that was. I think it's all we have. I mean, we went on a nice little run, but um, you know, like you said, you know, I, I'm going to agree with you. It, it was Sertan or Fairly for sure. And then Horn's been picking up some steam, and he's risen up the board as Fairley's been hurt and dropped down the boards a little bit. And while when we took him, when we we did the mock draft, I was just like, okay, we'll, we'll take Horn. You know, he's he's high on people's radar, and then we'll kind of do analysis. And and I'm not gonna lie to you, as I watched the tape, man, I was I came away much more excited than than I went in. I mean, I was excited going in. But I came away much more excited afterwards. And one more point, you talked about, uh, you know, that that you got me on this one. I'll get you on the next one. Okay. With him and Seth Williams, yes. Seth Williams got him early. He got yes. he got him on a, a nice one early. And he didn't have I, – I think he messed up when he got up running his mouth. Yeah, because he – yeah, he was talking some trash – and and Horn just gave him that look and was like, "All right, that, hey, that's fine." And then man, he just and Seth Williams is he's probably gonna go late day three, early day four in the NFL draft this year. I mean, he's no slouch at, at all. Mm-mm. I mean, he just he had Knicks from Auburn throwing him the ball. I mean, you know, it's hard to succeed there. But man, he just he dogged him the, the rest of the game and. and I love that thought of all right, you got me. It's game time now. Let's go ahead and like let's crack our knuckles and and let's get to playing some football. Yeah, and that's that confidence level that I was talking about. So, well, I think we've covered him pretty good. Um, let's go ahead and jump on to our next pick, which is our original second round pick. 
pick 44. We take Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, he comes in at six foot five, three hundred twelve pounds, uh, thirty four and three eight inch arms, wingspan eighty five and three eight. That's that's pretty good size right there. It's like pterodactyl. Yeah, and then he uh, nine and a half inch hands. Um, he did do a few things at the uh, at his pro day, but not much. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really care about his 40 time or anything like that. He didn't do the bench press. Uh, I was a little concerned with the fact of why he didn't do the bench press because that's one of the biggest things that they uh, go off of as an offensive lineman. They want to see the strength. But, yeah, um, that's about all I have from there. Um I guess I want to, unless you have anything to add, I'll go ahead and jump into my pros and cons or whatever. Well, just some some stats on him. He won the Outland Trophy in 2020. He's a uh, two-time first-team All-SEC, um, uh, 2019 and 2020. Second-team All-SEC in 2018, and he was a unanimous All-American in 2020. I, I know 2020 was kind of a weird year. And some teams played three games, and some teams played five, and others played a full schedule. Alabama got the full schedule in. Um, but I just, you know, second team all ACC in 2018 is no slouch for a player that was that young. And then to, to you know, you saw the progression, first team All-American in 2019, and then first team All-American, or um, All-SEC, excuse me, and in 2019 and 2020, and then to be, you know, a unanimous All-American in 2020. Yeah, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and, like you said, yeah, it, it was a weird season, but it's still all things that are that needed to be noted. And I was glad that you put in your notes because I, I didn't. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into my pros and cons. Uh, we'll start with the pros. Um uh, very athletic. Uh, he's athletic uh, with large upside. I think he has um, a lot of growth that he can still do, and I think he can be a phenomenal tackle. Uh, I think a lot of the NFL GMs and scouts uh, project him to be a guard. Um, but personally, I, I and I and I think he can play very well at guard. But I, I don't want to move him inside if we don't have to because um, <clears throat> I think he's going to be a very good tackle in the NFL. Um, <clears throat> he sets himself up with a wide base. Um, you know, you know, you want those big guys on the outside. It makes it, it makes it harder for you, for defenders to get around and when they have that wide base. Uh, <clears throat> always seems to have good leverage on his blocks. You know, he always seems to be pretty under control. Um <clears throat> And always well balanced. Uh, always keeps his head on the swivel. Uh, this play is very good blocking vision. You know, if <clears throat> most of the time he's gonna have somebody that he's gonna have to single up and block. But if he doesn't, then he always has his head on the swivel and he sees that blitzer. He's pretty good at seeing that blitzer coming in late. Uh, <clears throat> Quick to turn up to the next level, uh, good at adjusting to his target. 
um, you know, taking good angles and such stuff like that. Always seems to display good foot balance, which I mentioned uh, mentioned a second ago. Uh, his feet always seem to be under control. Uh, <clears throat> very good hand placement. I've noticed. Um, you know, he's he's very well equipped with his hands. He knows where to put them. He knows where he needs to be at to keep the leverage that he needs to have. Uh, very quick and fluid pulling across the line of scrimmage, which, you know, we we do a lot of pulling. We don't do a whole lot with guards, but we do uh, – I mean tackles, but we do uh, – we, we will pull them outside a lot. Um, <clears throat> we'll be a perfect fit for our, our zone run scheme. Um, and that's about I have what I have for his – pros and cons i think he's going to be uh, <clears throat> for the pros i think he's going to be really good for um for us offensively now some cons that i have his overall strength um i think he needs to improve his overall strength he um he can struggle with the bull rush uh and that's that's the overall strength thing <clears throat> one of my biggest things that i noticed a lot was the fact that when the play starts, he he tend to let the player come to him um, and just kind of put his hands on him and you know work his hands. He doesn't have that punch that you want to see. You want to see that punch. You want to see. You want to see that show of strength, as you as you would say. Um, <clears throat> occasionally opens his hips opens his hips a bit much, and that does knock him off balance a little bit. Uh, you know, we like that wide base, but if you open your hips up too early, um, it can put you off balance. Uh, the senior bowl, he struggled a little bit, um, and he will struggle against faster opponents. Uh, just the athleticism is there. It's just, um, without that punch, I think waiting for, the pass rusher to come to him if he if he's a faster guy then he's gonna get beat just because you can't wait on guys like that you can't allow them to get their momentum so <clears throat> those are all my pros and cons um like I said I think he'd be very good for us even playing guard even though I really want him to stay at the tackle position but if he pushes for Connor Williams job then you know that's good too so and as long as Tyron Smith is there we both know He's not getting that job, so <clears throat> that's about all I have for him. Uh, yeah, I, um, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, started 15 games at right guard in 2018, just over 900 snaps. So a lot of experience at guard, and I think it's why there are NFL teams that, that project him at guard is, is because uh, he, he started an entire year at guard. And, um, of course, that was a, a year in which they won the national championship. And, and then he started his last two years at, at left tackle, um, a little over 1,400 snaps. Uh, what I saw was five sacks allowed, 13 quarterback pressures, and 1,400-plus pass-blocking snaps. Uh, that's strong. Yes. And playing in the SEC, you're not going up against – you know, a bunch of nobodies uh, on the defensive line. You talk about LSU, j just one that, that I saw um, 
was Caleb and Chassin, and that's if if you've been around for a year with us, uh, and that's that's how long we've been around. I was big on Caleb and Chassin, uh last year, uh, and, and apparently the Cowboys were too when we were on the clock. If it wasn't Ceedee Lamb, then it was him. So that's a player that we really liked, you know, matching up against a player like him and, and having significant reps against him. And there are plenty of other players. Uh, you know, he's just, he's one that, that I, I saw um, him play well against and a player that was a first-round pick uh, to, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, just a few picks after we went. I, I'm with you on him not playing guard. If we want to bring him in and have him push Connor Williams, that's fine. But I think the same things that Connor Williams struggle with are the same thing he struggles with. But I think he projects better outside as a tackle because he's just a little more athletic than Connor Williams. And I think his athleticism can help make up for some of that lack of strength that both him and Connor Williams display. Man, when I see a guard play, I want Zach Martin. I want Quentin Nelson. I want someone that finishes blocks. I want someone that when they get to the second level, man, they're taking somebody out. Yeah. I, I want that nastiness is what a lot of people call it. I don't see that in him. And you talk about lack of punch. I think that those two correlate. Uh, you know, that – and my question is, does he not have that streak now because of the Alabama offensive line where, like, everyone's going to be a starter in the NFL? Or, you know, did he not need that that nasty, you know, willing to get into the ring and fight mentality because he didn't need to? There's a player that you and I are going to talk about in kind of our, you know, other prospects we're looking at that we didn't draft that – as an offensive lineman for Alabama, that dude, you talk about a nasty streak. Yes, sir. That's He's Mr. Nasty Streak. And and my thought is when you're lining up with players like that, you know, everyone doesn't have to show that. Yeah, that's um, – like you said, like most of their linemen are going to end up being starters in the NFL. And it's – I don't know, man. That's like it's it's one of those questions like okay, yeah, he doesn't have to show that aggressiveness and he doesn't have to show that uh that dog in him or uh but then again, you also question why is he not no matter what. We we talked, you know, last year in the draft, we obviously we took CeeDee Lamb, another highly touted wide receiver that went early, actually went before CeeDee Lamb was Jerry Judy. And then also Henry Ruggs. One of the big knocks on Jerry Judy for all of his pros, and this isn't a knock by me because I love Jerry Judy. Uh, anyone I'm playing fantasy with, if you want, if you don't want him anymore, I'll gladly take him. Please and thank you. Um, a lot of people said he doesn't have that alpha dog mentality. Well. Josh Jacobs was in the backfield, and then Najee Harris is in the backfield, and then Damian Harris is in the backfield. Henry Ruggs was also lining up at wide receiver. Jalen Waddle's also lining up at wide receiver. Irv Smith's your tight end. And um, 
Uh, excuse me, Devontae Smith, the, the Heisman winner from this year. I, I forgot him just for a quick second. Okay, that's four first-round wide receivers because Smith and Waddle are going in the first. A second-round tight end in Irv Smith, a first-round running back in Josh Jacobs, a third-round running back in Damian Harris. Third round sounds uh, right. Yeah, I think that's about right. And Najee Harris, it, it, he's either going to be late first or early second. I, you know, Jonathan Taylor went what thirty-five or thirty-six last year to Indianapolis Colts. I, I think if he doesn't go first, that's that's going to be his spot. It, is right there in the early second. It's hard when you're playing with that much talent to always shine and and to you know to always. I'm not saying – I don't think effort's a problem with Leatherwood at all. You know, I don't think it's an effort thing at all. I think it's just a – I don't know. It's more or less just a question I'm posing. You know, I mean, did he not have to show that nasty streak because of who he's lining up beside? I mean, yeah, that's a very good possibility. I mean um – you know, we, I, I need to see more. I need to see. We talk. More. We talk about Connor Williams when he was lining up beside Travis Frederick and uh, Tyrone Smith. He didn't have a ton of nastiness to him, but yet, I mean, he still played well. But I mean, you, you know, he's playing beside who I thought was the best center in the game, and and who I thought was the best left tackle when healthy, and I still think one of the better left tackles in the game when he's healthy. I mean, when you're lined up beside studs. Your job's and, just a little bit easy. I wanted to mention, because uh, you mentioned him being the same player as Connor Williams as far as – No, no, no. I uh, said that he he struggled uh, with his strength. The lack well, of strength mirrors well, a little bit like Connor Williams. Well, yeah, that – but um, the advantage that he has as opposed to Connor Williams – and is one of the reasons why Connor Williams was pushed inside anyway is because he didn't have the wingspan, he didn't have the arm length, and uh, I think he would be a very good fill-in for Connor Williams. And I think he would do. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say he would do better than Connor Williams because Connor Williams is in his fourth year. So, uh, but I think he can. You think it's upside? I think his upside is higher than Connor Williams. It's just, and I think that was his Connor Williams' biggest issue, other than his strength. <clears throat> but truth be told, his strength couldn't have been but so bad if you're pushing him from tackle to guard because that's 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 real strength inside the trenches there. I mean, in the middle there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think his arms are a little bit longer, so I think that that. Uh, his upside is definitely up there, but that's, that's one, one thing I saw on film, and a lot of this is just because he was so athletic. He let that player get outside because he wanted guys outside of him to where he could use his wingspan, and he moves very, very well left to right. Yes, he is he much better left to right than he is front and back. Oh. I think he's strong front and back. But you know he wants guys pushing at, at for to their right, his left. When I saw him get beat, it was inside. I, I didn't see him get beat nearly as much outside as I did inside. I agree. Um, one thing that I did notice as well, though, 
about his strength. Uh, those big bull rush defensive ends that come in, he has a really good what they call stomp step, which basically is uh, you step back with both feet at the same time. They call it like a stomp step. And he showed really good balance when doing that. And well, he's basically he, setting a base. He's yeah, setting he's himself up like to. He's planting a tree, basically. It's like a two, two-step block, bounce, bounce, and then they're done. Yeah. And uh, I did see that several times watching film too. So I did like that. But <clears throat> so his strength might not be as bad as we think it is, but. It showed at times where the strength was. One reason why I'm a little bit okay with that is most teams, not all teams move their defensive ends around. And most of them that have set spots, they have the quicker, more athletic uh, speed rusher on going up against the left tackle, and they've got kind of the road grader on the right tackle. Yeah. There, now, there are teams that, that don't hold that. Uh, the Browns tend to have Miles Garrett rush against the right tackle, although in the last couple of years he's kind of got freedom to line up where he wants. J.J. Watt uh, lined up against uh, the right tackle more prolifically. So uh, I'm okay with the fact that he, he relies on his athleticism a little bit more. And I think one of the reasons why I really, really like him where we're getting him is because we still have Tyron Smith. If you sit behind Tyron Smith and watch him, this is what he was coming out of college. He had to improve on his strength. Now, when he came out of college, he was 20. Yeah. So, was, you know, uh, he was ever he was still growing into his body for sure. I think that Leatherwood, I mean, he's not Tyron Smith coming out of college, but I think that he's got a lot of traits that, that project. To yeah, I, I agree with that. So I I I'm, I agree with you. I think that he can um, come in. I'd love to have him come in and push Williams, and then even if that doesn't work out, and you say okay, we want him at tackle, you sit him behind Smith for a year and you say, hey, look, watch him because th- this is what we want you to be. And this is a player that when I watched him on film, I actually flipped some rankings of mine and players I wanted to take. I- I've been a big fan of taking uh, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. In the second round, as hard as I've preached, if you've been listening to the show, I've been very on the fence, uh, corner or offensive tackle in the first round. Now, if Sertan's there, he's the target. I'm getting much more comfortable with the fact that if he's for some reason gone, taking Horn and then having uh, Slater as like a break glass in case of emergency, because I don't see a scenario at all in which... Sewell, Sertan, and uh, Horn are gone. So, so I think Slater is uh, – that that scenario for me has kind of fallen out a little bit. Leatherwood's a player I'd really like to have in the second round. I've moved him ahead of uh, Liam Eikenberg uh, at a Notre Dame. As a tackle, I'd like to see us take in the second round. But my concern is – man, there's way too much draft buzz that I'm hearing. And that, it, you know, if you're listening to it at all, you're hearing it and you just don't know what's coach speak and, and who, you know, who's trying to get who to jump up and overpay for a pick. There's a lot of talk that the Bengals are, are debating and weighing Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts at five. 
Uh, do they just want to load Burrow up with, with weapons? <laughs> Man, the punishment he took his rookie year, I, I, if Sewell's there at five and I don't see how he's not, how do you not take him? But we'll, we'll hold on just real quick. My fear is if it's Chase or if it's Pitts at five, they say, well, we'll just take Leatherwood in, in the second round, and, of course, their second-round pick is, is before us. So that's my fear is that he might not be there for us at 44 because a team like Cincy could go uh, receiving option in the first round and then double back and, and get their left tackle uh, with their second-round pick. Yeah, I could agree with all that. Uh, um, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think – the offensive line depth is deeper than originally thought. Um, and I, I think they could afford to do that. Uh, I don't think that they will. And you was talking about the, the whole coach talk and, you know, all that mess. Maybe, maybe uh, Jerry Jones is forcing Philly to jump up ahead of them to take pits because he's infatuated with pits. Um did we sign any tight ends this week? I know we didn't because we didn't do any news and notes, but I'm just checking to see if we signed any, like, uh, maybe in the last five minutes. I feel like it's been a little too long since we signed a tight end. I want that I want that depth chart locked, loaded, and deep before the draft so we don't even think about it. Well, uh, according to our history on doing shows, let me check real quick to make sure because we tend to sign people while we're doing shows. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I guess we go ahead and jump to our third pick. Uh, you know, this is the guy that you wanted to talk about uh, first. So I'm going to let you have him. Give, him. give me everything you got. All right. Carlos Basham, uh, senior defensive end out of Wake Forest. This is pick 47. This the, is pick 47. The, this is the pick, the second pick we acquired and the trade with the Chargers. Thank you for bringing that up, Seth. Um, I've got him listed at 6'5", 285 pounds. Uh, his his big-time uh, accolades, he was first-team All-ACC in 2019, and he was third-team All-ACC in, in 2020. Uh, awesome fact uh, about Basham, he was born in Roanoke, Virginia. That's, right up the road. That's an hour, uh, pretty much to a T, uh, you know, from from where you and I reside. So I think that that's pretty cool. It it, it gives me another reason uh, to root for him in, in this uh, draft class uh, where we took him as being a, a Virginia product. In 2017, I've got 24 tackles uh, for him. In 2018, I've got 64 tackles, uh, four and a half sacks two fumble recoveries, and also a receiving touchdown. So maybe we can bring him in, uh, you know, those large fullbacks where you bring in a defensive end to play a little fullback. Yeah. You, you bring him in on the goal line, hit Zeke with a little play action, you can hit him in the flat because apparently the hands are, are pretty good. Um, 2019, 57 tackles, 11 sacks, and three forced fumbles. That's 2019 tape was really good. I, I, man, his 2019 tape was strong. Um, and then a lot of people thought he might declare last year, and, and there was some first-round buzz on him in 2019, uh, decided to come back and, and play a senior year. And obviously, 
th- there was no way to project that that what was going to happen in the 2020 season happened. And to me, the tape wasn't as good. I, I didn't see the same player, but you saw that out of a lot of players. So, so I'm gonna, yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not going to chalk that up to to, to his performance. Uh, it was just a weird year. Uh, you saw a lot of players excel and do much more than you ever thought they could, and then you saw other players where you're just like, this isn't the same guy I saw in, in, in 2019, but it, his 2020 stats were 28 tackles, five sacks, and, and one forced fumble. Uh, has a college record of 23 consecutive games with a tackle for loss. So to me, that's big. That's huge. That that means you've got a player that's making plays in the backfield, and our defense has always been big on down and distance. It was it was a big thing under Rod Marinelli, and even when we got ourselves in a good down and distance situations last year, usually the immediate next play we shot ourselves in the foot and jumped off sides, or we held, or. Um, so if you can get a defensive lineman to, to make plays against the run and stuff the run, you're really limiting the playbook as you get to second down. Um, you, you look at the stats in college, a lot of production there, 20 and a half sacks, a, a lot of tackles for loss, four forced fumbles, and he's also got some, you know, he also had a couple fumble recoveries. So he's got some playmaking ability. Um uh, on the field, Seth, I'm I'm going to run down my notes for him, and then I want you to tell me who this sounds like. <gasps> big frame, big shoulders, big base. Uh, he rushed from a lot of positions. He played inside. He played outside. He stood up. He you know he was in the two point stance and he was in the three point stance. He's a lot lighter on his feet. You know he's not. 6'5", 285 pounds, you hear that and you're thinking, man, this guy's going to be heavy-footed and he's going to be a sloth and he's going to be, you know, he, he's going to have hard feet. I think that he's got some quick feet. I think he's got some light feet. Really strong motor. He plays down one on first and ten, on fourth down, fourth and 40. They're all the exact same play uh, to him. Really strong hands. He's got a nice swim move with with the hands. He's got a nice arm over. So before I can continue, is there anyone that wears the star that that sounds a little bit like? Sounds like Tank all over again. And I, but that's worked out pretty good, I think. Yeah, that's worked out great for us. So um, to have another one like that on the other side, I'd be pretty excited about that. Two of them lining up, and then you have a Neville Gallimore in the middle. And I tell you what, you take a D-line that wasn't very good last year, and all of a sudden, just hearing those three, and then we'll figure out nose tackle, Woods, Hill, uh, maybe someone we draft. Later in our mock draft, maybe. Uh, All of a sudden, man, if – we're marching this out as our D line. I'm getting pretty excited. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about that as well. <clears throat> you know, he's also one of those. He's a tweener, uh, well, which means I've got that as a as a as a potential con. Yeah. Um, before we get into my cons, I want to give you the nickname. The nickname's Boogie. Better than the other Boogie. Well. 
we used to play. Yet to see. Yet we to used see. to play fantasy basketball quite a bit, and um, I always drafted a lot of Boogie Cousins. In fact, my team name was always Boogie Down Productions. Uh, so, no, you know he he's better <laughs> at foot. He's better at football than Boogie Cousins for sure. Look, but just a I better Boogie, I don't think so. I didn't say what sport. I just said the better of the two. Uh, but some of the cons I've got, he's older. He's going to be 24 in December. So, you know, we talk about upside a lot. He's in his prime already. So how much room for growth does he have? Wake Forest is obviously not a, a strong program, but it's a Power 5 conference, so there's going to be some top-notch coaching there. So one of the things I worry about is is with him being older, you know, is the upside there. But I think that he's a good enough player that if we add him our defen- to our defensive line, the fact that he's just a solid, good player, I think that that's good enough, especially if you're getting him in the uh, middle of the second round. And I'll, you know, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, you said tweener, and then I said, you know, that's one of my cons. Um, you know, six five two eighty five. Is he a defensive end? Can he drop ten pounds and and be more of a prototypical defensive end? You know, two sixty two seventy, or does he gain ten pounds and all of a sudden you're like, was he a three technique? If you go ten pounds either way. I think he's much more defined. Well, I don't want him either way. <clears throat> I want him. <clears throat> excuse me. I want him right where he's at because I like the fact that he's a tweener. I like the fact that you can move him inside, and play defensive tackle, or you can keep him outside, and play defensive end. My only problem with that is you look at like Solomon Thomas from Stanford. He's uh, when Chicago traded up to get Mitch Trubisky and gave up those few extra picks to move up one spot. When San Francisco traded back one spot, the player they took was Solomon Thomas. And, yes. and, and yeah. The problem is, you. I mean, that defensive line's been tremendous. He, Nick Bosa and uh, Kinslaw now, and then, of course, they had, uh, was it DeForest Buckner? Yeah, they just traded him. Yeah, they year. traded him last year. That defensive line was strong. They had arm. They they've still got Armstead, and and he was you know he's a another first round tremendous player. The problem is is since Thomas didn't have a defined role in the defense, he just kind of blended in. And whereas everyone else took off and, and was making Pro Bowls and it was just someone well, that you could really talk about, and someone that had the ability to take over games. Thomas would just always, yeah, you know, he's good, he's solid, he's, you know, he's he's going to do his job. Well, my thing is this: <clears throat> with him having the ability to do that, um, we've said it multiple times before about bringing T Law, uh, T Law, D Law Tank on the inside every now and again. It would be nice to be able to bring him and switch him on the inside every now and again too, just to kind of throw teams off, you know. Uh, off to our predictability of, of what not you would call it. <clears throat> so to me personally, I think him being right at 285, not too big to play defensive end, not too pa- not too small to play defensive tackle. To me, I think it's 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 perfect. So it's it's more of a it's a pro for you. 
Yeah. 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 I've, I have one more pro on him, and then I'll kind of let you take the reins and maybe add a little something to the end. Uh, with that, with that six foot five height, he got his hands on a lot of balls at the line. You know, a lot of batted balls at the line of scrimmage, and that's big in today's game. If you can't get to the quarterback, what do you always hear commentators say? You know, coaches tell their guys, "Man, just get your hands up in the air." At six foot five, with his wingspan, he can really get his hands in the air. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, <clears throat> he's a big, long guy, and um, I mean. J.J. Watt did it for years. If he wasn't getting to the quarterback, how many pass deflections did he have? How many pass knockdowns did he have on a yearly basis? Like, and not even just, not even just, and I'm not, not comparing just, him to J.J. Watt. No, 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 not even just batting the ball down, but batting the ball up. If you bat the ball up in the air, man, everyone turns into a wide receiver. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but um. I'll just jump into my pros because, like I just said, uh, his ability to play inside and outside, I think that is definitely a pro. Uh, He's very aggressive at the point of attack, um, and that's something that obviously defensive and defensive attack, you got to see that. If you don't see the aggressiveness, then you're not going to make it in the NFL, period. Um, has a great swim move, and I've noticed that moving on the inside, he does that. But I'm going to come back to that as a con. Uh, <clears throat> I just said he can play inside and out. Uh, very good uses of, usage of hands. Uh, he is very good at countering the opponent blocker move set, I guess you would call it, uh, <clears throat> to put himself in a better situation to get to the quarterback or uh, – Stop a player in the backfield, so what or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> high motor. Uh, I've no, and I want I want to bring that back as well as a con in a second. <clears throat> I think in the first half of games, I think he's lights out. Uh, but I also want to I also want to point out before I forget, and you brought it to my when you said something that sparked it. <clears throat> Him dropping from a projected first round to now a projected second round pick, a lot of people got to realize that he was literally, literally the best player that they had. There was nobody else. Uh, So he was constantly drawing double teams, sometimes even triple teams. Uh, So for him to say that he didn't have that great a year. He literally did not have anybody worth mentioning, in my opinion, uh, on that defense. So I just I just wanted to point it out before I forgot about it. <clears throat> uh, he's very good at reading plays. Uh, I've seen it several times, and that accounts for a lot of his tackles for a loss. I mean, he just – he sticks and he looks and he reads quick. Uh able to disengage blockers pretty well. Um, I've I've seen a lot on film that he was able to extend his arms and push, do the whole push and pull technique and get off his blockers and once again resulted into a lot of the tackles for loss. My cons on him so far are 
and I just mentioned it. Great at the spin, uh, swim move, but after the spin move, I mean the swim move, he doesn't have much more after that. Uh, he relies on, on that swim move a little too much, and <clears throat> especially in the NFL, and you notice it on film, if you use that spin move too much, they're going to pinpoint it pretty quickly, and then you're just going to be done for the rest of the game. I mean, I think his arm over is, is pretty strong. I think it is pretty strong, but I also think uh, he needs to learn to uh, – he needs to learn a little bit more, maybe add, you know, more of a bull rush or, you know, something like that to his game. It's just – to me, it seemed like he used that swim move a lot. And at 6'5", 285, you would hope – you would think the bull rush. You would is think there. the bull rush is is natural at, at that size. I mean, you we've talked about Tank Lawrence and a lot. I'm not comping him as a Tank Lawrence because Lawrence has a strong bull rush. Yes, uh, and and you know I didn't see that as much out of Basham because he just kind of relied on the one or two things that he did really well. He he did the if it ain't broke don't fix it, but the problem is in the NFL, like you said, teams are gonna. You got to have a lot of tools in the tool belt in the NFL. Yeah, at the NFL level, you do. In the college level, and even the division that he was in, uh, the if broke, if ain't broke, don't fix it rule worked really well. It did. It worked really well in the ACC. But like you said, when you get to the NFL, he's just going to become predictable. And that's something you don't want to be as a player. Uh, sometimes he overruns the play, and sometimes it's easily pushed out of the play because the overrun. Okay, real quick on that. Um, another con I was going to bring up, and this is probably where you saw this. Uh, in the Clemson film, I saw on some of those RPOs, I mean, he jumped hard. Yep, like, he, he bit yep. hard. So, I mean, I, I'm guessing that's kind of where you're you're going with that point. Yeah, he uh, he jumped really hard, and then for the lineman, it's very easy to just kind of keep on pushing the direction he's going yeah, and just, push just, him right out of the play. Yep. Let him use zone momentum mm-hmm. against him. Uh, the inability to finish the play sometimes was a concern. He did have 20 and a half sacks on his career, but he left a lot on the table as well. <clears throat> I've seen five or six uh, sack opportunities that he had just watching film where he would get his hands on the quarterback and he just could not finish the play. Uh, so that's uh, a little bit of concern for me. And the high motor thing that I said earlier as a pro is also a con because – in the second half of games, it showed. <coughs> excuse me, it showed that his first half to his second half was complete opposite ends of the <clears throat> opposite ends of the field. He had fourteen and a half sacks in his first half of games. Only six. After that, in the second half of games, but, and you could tell. But but one one counterpoint to that, he played a lot of snaps. He did. He did. I will agree. So with that. that that's my. Well, and, he, when we talked about Tank, Tank plays a trim, a large large snap share. I think that some of 
that can be offset yeah, by uh, giving him some plays off. You you talked about him being the best player at Wake Forest. He's been the best player at Wake Forest for a few years now. Yeah, and and so they just they he they just never took him off the field. There was never a chance to catch a breath and, and go get some Gatorade and and rotate some players out. I just didn't happen with him. It was just it was first down, it was second down, it was third down. He's on the field. Yeah, and and that's a great point. Um because I could see the high motor in the first half, but you could definitely see it in the second half. And, and like you said, um, the high number of snaps is definitely could definitely be a reason for that. So I could agree with that 100%. And that's about all I have on him. I'm, I'm, I would be excited to have him as well. I'm, it, you talked about the tweener thing. I I love the idea that him being a tweener. I don't want him to drop any weight. I don't want him to add weight. One one thought is, um, if we draft him, then then he's going to start. Then he would play opposite Lawrence. And we talk about him not getting snaps off in college. I mean, he would be in a rotation. He would be in a rotation with Randy Gregory, and then also, you know, if we take him. I think that's a little bit of a warning flag uh, against Bradley and I, but but there will be a competition for snaps on that side. So even if even if he he doesn't become the every down starter, there's still going to be snaps for Basham well, there because there's going to be a rotation. It's also a warning shot to Gregory as well. True, just uh, because. You know, and 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 one of the reasons why we we talked, I think this pick was the one. We really debated on two or three players pretty hard, um, and we ended up going with Bash. And one of the reasons was because of Gregory. And it's you know, we felt you felt like we've always kind of had to protect ourselves uh, against him. And I think that this is some this is strong protection against him, a player that that had some first round buzz last year. That maybe we, now we can get in the, the mid second. Yeah, yeah, that's I I agree with that a hundred percent. I think. That this pick would be a, a warning shot to Gregory, without and, a doubt. And one last point: he is the cousin of Terrell Basham, so you've got some family ties on the team right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, good point. I didn't even think about that to be honest with you. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to throw it in, but as 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 I flipped my notebook well, and as you flipped your notebook, Basham being new, you know, it took a second to process yeah. that. So, yeah. All right, well, I guess we need to jump on to the next guy. And that is, this was our second, well, would have been our second third-round pick. Remember, we traded pick 75. This is pick number 99. We decided to go with Cameron McGrone, a Michigan linebacker, redshirt sophomore. Uh, He's 6'1", 234 pounds. Uh, he did – the only thing he did at his pro day was the bench press, and that was 20 reps. He is still recovering from a ACL surgery. So, uh, <clears throat> that's all I have as far as any of his credentials. I mean, as far as size, and do you have anything else? The, the only thing I uh, have is um, he did get the accolade of all Big Ten honorable mention. Uh, and that was year before last. That was the year he started. That's yeah, what, yeah mm-hmm. okay. I guess. Uh, 
but I mean, that's a tough, you know, Big Ten. I mean, you know, listen to the team. You, you know, you look at the players we've taken tonight. They're all Power Five conference guys. Obviously, uh, you know, two SEC, one ACC, and now Big Ten. The Big Ten is really – they put out a lot of strong defensive players. Uh, so so for him to even be in, in the voting shows the talent. Uh, one thing I have on him, and it's weird, 20, uh, uh, 24-7 sports has him as a four-star recruit, but I saw a bunch of other places that had him as a five-star recruit. You know, just you know, for what that's worth. Yeah. You know, when when you're looking at players later on down, you're looking for traits and and things uh, that make you believe in in what the player can be. So when we saw him and we saw, uh, you know, I thought he was a five star prospect, but as I started doing a breakdown on him, I keep seeing you know twenty four seven sports saying. Uh, you know, four star, and so I just I don't know which one to believe because I saw multiple fives, and and you know they said four. So I, either way, highly, highly, highly touted prospect uh, coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and it showed on film that he was he was a very good prospect as well. Um, his size does concern me a little bit, being at two thirty four. You know, he's not much. You know, we didn't have – we were not very high on Keanu Neal playing linebacker. And you're looking at about 10-pound difference there. So, uh, <clears throat> I would like to see him get about, what, 242, 245, so about 10 pounds heavier, I guess. <clears throat> well, here's some of my pros. Uh, I like the ability to, he can play inside and outside linebacker. Uh, he has the ability to do both, the mic and the wheel. Uh, <clears throat> very athletic, great speed. I love his the, his speed on the field, the way he plays. Uh, short area quickness and agility. Uh, <clears throat> a tackle machine, very good at finishing tackles. Uh, me personally, in the film that I watched, I did not see him miss many tackles. Uh, <clears throat> really good blitzer. That is something else that we need because – Jalen Smith being a very good blitzer, me personally, LVE is not. So to have that second guy to be able to blitz would be great for us. <clears throat> High motor. This dude is nonstop. I mean, he is nonstop. He is all over the field all the time. He's just constantly going. Uh, <clears throat> doesn't avoid blockers and will he, – he doesn't avoid them. He takes them on and – he does a pretty good job of shedding blocks as well. Uh, will play through injuries, which is one of my cons. Um, he played with a broken hand. Uh, of course, he had it. You know, he had a club on his hand. Uh, <clears throat> so he will play through through some injuries if able to. Uh, great against the run. Also great in coverage against running backs and tight ends. Uh, from what I've seen, he did really well against running backs and tight ends in coverage. Um, <clears throat> that's about all I have as far as pros go. Uh, some of the cons that I have against him, uh, my biggest concern is his lack of experience. Uh, 
was it uh, 19 games he played in, 15 starts. Um, he's kind of like those one-year wonder guys that I don't like. LV. Yeah, perfect example. Uh, and LV has worked out really good for us, other than the fact that he stays hurt. <clears throat> uh, zone coverage. Um, he, from what I've seen, he kind of looks for a spot in the grass instead of looking at the surroundings. And zone coverage can be taught. I think it, I, it's easier for zone coverage to be taught, in my opinion, than man, because you either have it or you don't when it comes to man coverage. Um, <clears throat> oh, this was my con to my pro on the injuries. <clears throat> had two big injuries in 19 games. He broke his hand and an ACL tear. So, is this uh, LVE or a Sean Lee type all over again? Uh, that's a big question mark for me. Uh, and when I was watching some of the film and some of the guy, other guys breaking down, <clears throat> uh, one of the guys used uh, – pretty clever gps malfunction uh, meaning to me that he struggles with mis misdirection plays uh, usually four or five yards in the wrong direction before he realizes that it went the other way and uh i've seen that some so and that was one of my big concerns and cons for him as well but <clears throat> other than that uh I think he's a steal at the pick, to be honest with you. I would like to see him gain a little bit more size, but I think it's perfect for what we need at the linebacker position. Yeah, I think at this pick, you're. I think the upside for him is big, especially with all the uncertainty with Jalen Smith and with LV's injury history, Jalen Smith's contract and what – uh, his cap figures are, are looking like in that uncertainty. This provides some really strong depth in, in a player that has some room to grow. I, I'm with you on the concern. I'm a little worried about the injury history. The fact that it's already started in college because it's it's a route we've gone down before. Uh, Sean Lee was a little bit dinged up in college, nowhere near the level he was in the pros, but LVE already had a big-time uh, injury history before he got into the pros. And and they've they've both burned us, and so that's my my fear with him. I think that smaller, shiftier backs gave him a, a little bit of trouble. Um, I think that he's good in coverage, uh, but but I I did see some some plays where some smaller, shiftier guys were were able to make some plays on him. And you know, if you look at those defined third down backs, like uh, J D McKissick's a, a big one. Uh, uh, in our division, you have to worry that that he may give him some problems, or uh, like Bart Scott profiles that. Although I'm not that big on Bart Scott, I think that Miles Sanders should get the third down work um, or more of the third down work than what he's getting. But but I'm with you on you know that's just some of the cons I saw. I, I think that he's stronger against the run against, than against the pass. Although he is very adequate uh, in pass coverage, um, 
I think that he diagnoses plays quick, but like you said, he has a tendency to over-pursue a little bit. But Michigan hasn't been great since they brought in Harbaugh, especially the last couple of years. So I wonder if, if, if he can be coached up. I I think who we have as the defensive coordinator right now, I think that he can be. Um but like I said, the concern, you know, the the biggest concern with me was the experience and the lack of games played. Um nineteen games, that's just the upside of him is a a steal 10 times over at this pick. But the lack of experience leads you to question this. He could very easily be an undrafted player or undraftable player or a set or a late round pick. Uh, there's really not enough here to look at, but he played there, very well. There, in that. there wasn't a ton of film on him just because of that inexperience. I mean, there wasn't a ton to break down. Yeah, I mean, it, but he played very well in the time that he had. But I, you know how I am against those one-year. My my biggest concern is by far the injuries, just because, yeah. especially at the linebacker position, I hear injuries and I hear injury history, and I think of Sean Lee and LV, and I'm just like, man, you know, do we really but, want to go down that road again? But he could also be like Jalen Smith type. You know, he had a really big injury in college. Well, and, and I think then, I think with Jalen Smith and with LB there, he can get that full year to mostly recover. I mean, I think that he would, with our lack of depth at the linebacker position, I think that he would play some snaps. But he's not coming in starting over those two guys. Oh no, 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 ain't no way. So, so I, you know, I think he would. You know, I, I like the thought of him coming in and providing some security. And some depth at the linebacker position. We I have just none. Um, I just worry that that our top three linebackers are all going to be injury prone. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a risk there. Uh, Jalen Smith has been pretty good about being healthy since he recovered from that surgery or that the knee injury. But I'm with you on that. Like now, obviously, this is our third round pick. So obviously we're going to be more excited about picks and the picks in, in round ones and two. Well, I, I still think that he can be a good player if injuries stay on his. You know, if if he stays healthy. Well, at the ninety nine pick, <clears throat> this is at your. Uh, I don't know how to describe it uh, or what word to use. You're you're getting close to the fourth round. So these are the players are almost kind of start on your bubble. They, you know, they really got to show the, what they put on paper before didn't show enough. Well, to it for sure make the team. It shows that there's always going to be a little speculation on a player that you take here because if there was more, if they were more proven in, in, in they they probably would have gone higher. Truth be told, in my personal opinion, maybe the durability is a big concern. But me personally, I think the few amount of games is what's set him back this far. 
my personal opinion. This is a pick I'm very interested in. Uh, do you do you have anything more on Cameron? No, I've I've pretty much said everything I wanted to say. Now, I, I, this is the reason why I think when we got to this pick, like when we got to this pick, we both sl- we both slumped our shoulders because there is a player that that we really wanted at ninety nine, and one of the reasons why we were willing to trade out of seventy five to trade up is because there's a player that you're really high on and that you turned me on to two, three months ago, kind of once we started talking about this process and, hey, this is how we were going to take the show. When we knew we were going to start doing the mock drafts, we really started throwing some names back and forth. Hey, Seth, you know, this is a guy I really like. And, hey, you know, this is a guy I really like. Uh, I I want you to talk about the player that we were both hoping, praying, pleading – begging to fall to 99, and he wasn't there, and, and that's really when we had to go into scramble mode. I think he went like three picks before. I'm not going to lie to you. We kept talking about, like, we were looking Trying to at, trade up. Yeah, we, we were like, you know, do we need to trade up? Do we need to trade up? And we played the cue, and we were hoping that, that playing the cue, well, this is where he's at, this is how many picks, we should be fine. There was like seven players ranked ahead of him based off the the app. There, when he was taken, yeah. so we were just hoping he was going to fall to us. I think, you know, in the war room, which we're never going to be invited into. I think as as we were getting a little bit closer, we we might have th- thought about maybe trying to jump back up and and go and give me the name of this player. And ironically, one of his teammates uh, was drafted by us. And that would be Deontay Brown. Played guard for Alabama. This dude is a monster at guard. He never gave up a sack. That that dog mentality that we said that Leatherwood didn't have, he may not have had it because Brown, like, whatever he had, he took from him. Yes. Because this dude is, is dog on dog on dog on dog on dog. I mean, he's just... When you talk about just a dog in the trenches, this needs to be the guy that that you're talking about. He would, and I'm not comparing him to who I'm getting ready to say, but there were several times on like third and one, uh, we went forth on fourth and one a lot last year. Second and third and goal on the one-yard line or two-yard line or whatever. And we got stopped. You could put him on at the left guard position with Tyrone Smith beside him and bully your way for the first down or bully your way for the touch. Because he reminds me of a Larry Allen type. Yeah. Very big guy, very strong guy, very physical guy. Man, he'll pick you up and carry you to the locker room. Uh, that's like it. literally, like, he'll pick you up, and I'm not talking about like pick up your legs and pick up your, you know, like when you can't. No, literally, he will pick you up by your jersey and just blah 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 and, and take you 100 yards down the field the, into the locker room. The biggest knock that I would I had on him, we pull our guards a lot. He's not a puller. He's he's a mauler. He's that's it. He's not a puller. So. We would be limited to 
Zach Martin being our puller, which is not I'm fine. bad. Which, I'm all good with that. Which yes, that's not bad, but we but we've pulled our tackles on off you know zones. If you have a Leatherwood, if you have a Tyrone Smith, Leatherwood, kind of one of the things I missed that that you did uh, check in on. He gets to the second level. Yeah, that is a strength of his is getting to the second level. If 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 these are your, if this is your tandem for the next decade, you can pull Leatherwood, and be. A lot of times you pull your guard and you leave your tackle and to to you know take on that big time pass rusher, the guy with the strength. I'm gonna tell you what, there aren't gonna be many stronger than him. No. So you can leave him on that island. Hey, you need to block. X defensive end and allow the the pull to happen. Fine, good to go, because he can be on that island. Because if he gets his hands on you, man, it's hey, game's I mean, it's over. A, it's a wrap, man. That was, and that's why I compared him to Larry Allen, just because if Larry Allen got his hands on you, Larry Allen can pull better than he can. Well, I was talking the more. So the strength. You okay? So you were saying Larry Allen as, like, as strength, meaning this guy gets his hands on you, you're pretty much done. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel about him. Uh, nobody's gonna change my mind. Uh, I, I feel like, man, if he could have fell to us, you know, if he could have fell to us, I would have given us an A plus on this draft. Uh, we. I mean, if you can tell about the change in our voice from talking about Cameron to talking about Deontay Brown, it, it, it went up a notch. You know, we, we got the, the excitement. I, I think that when we did this draft, we just said, okay, boom, boom, boom is kind of where we're looking with the first three, and we'll make these picks, and then we'll just take Brown at 99, and we'll just we'll be happy with the draft. So I think when the first three went our way and we're like, man, you know, we got Horn, we're happy about that. Man, we got Leatherwood, he fell to us. Okay, we got Basham. So we filled offensive tackle, we filled defensive end, and we've also filled um, uh, cornerback, you yeah. know, three places that we need some cool – We'll take Brown. Everything that Williams isn't, he is. He can push Williams, and so we bring in that competition for Williams, which is something that I've preached on and wanted, you know, even even more than you. And then when he wasn't there at ninety nine, we were just like, "Oh, all right. So what do we do now?" And, and this is why and we're this is why we're not NFL GMs because we didn't have like a big board oh, yeah. saying okay, well he's gone, so let's just work our way down the rankings. He was our pick at ninety nine. He was like the only player we looked for at ninety nine. Yeah, I, and, and that's not a knock against McGrone because I do like him, but it it, it did throw a, a wrench. Yeah, yeah, it a definitely wrench. threw a wrench in there, and it just it. <sighs> It is what it is, but you know, well, I, I'm not, I'm not hating on McGrone. I like McGrone. I think, you know, he's what we need. But. Last year in this mock draft episode, we we talked about Trayvon Diggs quite a bit, and then we ended up taking him. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if if anyone that we've looked at in this uh, mock episode, other players we've talked, we've talked to Sertan, and then obviously we've talked to Brown. It'll be interesting to see if. I mean, you know, we got one right last year. Yeah, you know, maybe we yeah. can get uh, yeah, maybe we can go on a little run. And uh, hey, for 
the the fact that there's going to be 250 plus picks, and, and we're going to take um, yeah, you know, we've got uh, 11 picks now, and and potentially more, depending on what we know. We have 10 picks. Yeah, we have 10. We, we had 11. We in this had 11 one. in the mock. Yes. Correct. Thank you. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if we can get one right, two right, and and I'm going to tell you what. At 99, if we're wrong and we get Brown instead. I'm counting that as correct for us because that's the player we wanted. Yeah, I agree. So, um, anyway, to wrap this episode up, we, we want to thank you guys. This is another long one. We we wanted to – this is why we did four players. It's because we were we wanted to, to give a lot of analysis on all the players, and we wanted to talk some players that, that we liked in the spots – and for some reason, they just didn't fall to us either. We traded out of, of 10, and so 10 got um, sniped from us. Or, you know, Brown just didn't fall as, fall as, 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 fall as far as we were hoping to. Um, Seth, I know I've been really excited about this episode, and, and, and this is one of my favorite things to do is to break down players and, and give some analysis. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for next week. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for next week. Next well. week's going to be seven players. We're going to try to do a little better job of condensing stuff. And if Seth, if if Seth and I have similar notes, we're going to do. We really wanted to get our own individual thoughts at about these players. But if we line up on a guy to to kind of keep it short and simple, I might just say, you know, Seth, everything you saw is what I saw. We talked about it before the show. We're just going to go with your analysis on this player. I agree 100%. Let's just move on to the next guy because we are talking seven players. Uh, But we want to thank you guys for uh, sticking through this episode. And once again, apologize for the late upload last week. Um, But to end the show, uh, Seth, why don't you give us your social media account? It's at SethRob85. I'm at A underscore Bo615. We've still got the Back Row uh, Twitter page. It's at Back Row Cowboys. And we've still got the Facebook page. It's uh, Back Row Cowboys uh, fa- uh, Facebook group page. Um, that That's really been the catalyst for this show. And, and um, once again, we'll just ask, man, if you, if you can take the time and if you're gracious enough, man, just tell one friend. And, and that's how we'll continue to grow this thing. Yeah, that's... That's pretty it. Uh, pretty much it. Like, subscribe, rate, review, review, all that good stuff. Yep, all the all the things we need to to kind of help keeping this thing uh, going and 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 to help this thing grow. And um, with that, thanks everyone. Have a great night. See you next week and go Cowboys.